So today we remember and honor a day that, of course, quite frankly, as Christians, uh, that as born-again followers of Jesus Christ, we should remember and honor this day, you know, every day of our lives with the way we live our lives, right? He is risen. It is a powerful truth that really should have some sort of powerful effect on the way we live each and every day. Um, And that is what we'll look at today. Uh, In years past, as we've studied uh, the Bible on this particular day, you know, on the day where we remember the resurrection, I've gone through the facts of the resurrection with you, you know, going into the Gospels. But this morning, I'd like for us to think about the effects of the resurrection. That is how it affects our daily lives, or at least how it should. So I want you to open your Bibles this morning up to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15, and we'll start reading down in verse 20. Where it says, But now Christ is risen from the dead, and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, the Word of God here, through the Apostle Paul, states a fact, first of all, right? And that is, is that Christ is risen from the dead. But in addition to this, it states that He has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now that word firstfruits was a farming term, and it speaks of the first appearance of a grain of crop. And the Jews on the first Day on the day of first fruits, I should say, would take the first sprout, if you will, and they would go and they would wave it before the Lord as an offering, representing the fact that all of that crop, all of that future crop w- that would soon grow, would belong to the Lord. So they were honoring the Lord with the first fruits and waving that before Him. This would take place about a month before the harvest. And here in verse 20, it is stating that Jesus is the first risen from the dead to then go and return to the Father. He is the first fruits of God's harvest. In this manner, all born-again, spirit-led children of God, who have become children of God through faith, through repentance, through faith in Jesus Christ, right? They too will also rise to be eternally with God. But Jesus is the first fruits, the first of that harvest. Verse 21, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection from the dead. So we understand that, right? Since by man sin entered the world, 
and destroyed our fellowship with God, left us separated from God because of our sin, so also by a man, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, would come the redemption of mankind, leading to the resurrection of the dead. For Verse 22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So think about that, right? In Adam all die. And in Christ, all can be made alive. Everyone can be made alive in Christ, right? But the key is to be in Christ. Without being in Christ, a person is dead because of the sin that they live in. But the death of mankind began with Adam, and life came, eternal life came through Jesus Christ. And verse 23 says, but each one in his own order. The first, Christ of firstfruits, afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. Now, you see, Paul is establishing an order here. But some may say here, well, what about all the people that died and came back to life before Christ? Because we have some, some of that in the Bible, don't we? And even after Christ, right? There are cases like that in the Bible. Some of us here even personally know someone that was clinically dead for 19 minutes and then came back to life, right? But you see, the resurrection that Paul speaks of here is not simply speaking of dying and then just coming back to life to live here on the earth again. This is speaking of dying and then rising to a new body, a spiritual body. Let's think on that some more. Jump down here, same chapter, jump down to verse 42. And I'll let these scriptures here explain what I'm getting at here this morning. Verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. So that's our focal point at the moment here, the resurrection of the dead. And we're going to get an explanation here of the resurrection of the dead. Verse 42 continues and says, The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. So again, we're not talking about dying and then living again here on this earth in these same bodies, right? We, we are speaking about the body in this chapter here, the dead body, the person that dies what happens to our physical bodies, right? Remember, when a born-again follower of Jesus Christ dies, and I'm speaking of that person that has been born of the Spirit, right? And I want to distinguish that here this morning. And they then live their life being led by the Spirit. Upon their death, we know from the Scriptures that they are immediately absent from the body and then present with the Lord. But what about the body itself that they leave behind, their ashes, their DNA? What happens to it? Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now, of course, that is referring to Christ there, as it says, the last Adam. Speaking of man, 
Okay, the man that brought sin into the world, Adam, the man that brought eternal life, Jesus Christ. Right. Remember, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this, was establishing an order, right, that we saw back in verse 23. And he brings it up here again in verse 46. He says, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. So if you haven't figured it out, we're not in those spiritual bodies yet. Right. We're still in these weak, corruptible bodies. Right. But as it pertains to the body, the physical body of a born-again person, um, Adam had, and, and you and I here today, we all have a natural body. However, Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he rose to a spiritual body. It was still somewhat of a natural body because when he rose from the dead, he had flesh and bones. After Jesus had risen from the dead and he appeared to his disciples, they were all astonished and amazed, of course. And he had to assure them that he wasn't a spirit. And he said to them, behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. So that's the kind of body that Jesus had. We get a picture of that his risen body, right? And not only that, he was hungry and he asked them for food when he saw them. So we know that Jesus did not rise as a spirit only. He rose with a body, but it was a spiritual body. And Jesus was the first fruit. That's the key here. Jesus was the first fruit of that kind of body. The first of the harvest that is yet to come. And Paul continues speaking of these bodies and says in verse 47, the first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who who are heavenly. So praise God, we get a picture here of what we're going to be like, right? And as verse 49, and as we have borne the image of the man of the dust, which all of us sit here in that body today, right? We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. You see, thanks be to God, Again, that none of us are going to go into his eternal kingdom, right, with these bodies that we have today. Praise God for that. This body that we now dwell in is not going to be the one that we occupy for all of eternity. This body as we see it today will return to the dust if Christ does not return in our lifetimes, right? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus, like I quoted a moment ago, when he rose from the dead, encouraged his disciples to touch him. And he said to him that a spirit does not have flesh and bones. He made no mention of blood there. There was no indication that Jesus had blood, but he was flesh and bones. We do know that for sure. The life of the flesh is in the blood, but our risen spiritual bodies won't need that life that the blood provides because Jesus, the life-given spirit, 
gives us life, and we will have that life in us, and it will be an eternal life. So we only know very little about this topic, about what is to come. So there's many things you could speculate on, many questions still to be unanswered that we don't know here. I, but we do know this, that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for him, right? Those that love him, right? But we know that it will be someday, right? We will have a body in the eternal kingdom of God. It will be a spiritual body, and we will be like Jesus, who is the first fruits from the dead, right? Then, as we move on here in verse 51, Paul slips something in here. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So the word of God is indicating here that there will be some that will still be indwelling their bodies at the last day, at the return of Christ. But one thing is for sure, whether our bodies are in the grave or we are still indwelling our bodies at the return of Christ, it is for sure that we will all be changed. Verse 51, there is a verse that is is great to hang over a nursery, right? As it pertains to babies, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Right? You see that in church nurseries a lot. <laughs> but as it pertains to you and I here this morning, we will obtain a spiritual body, just as Christ, the first fruit of the harvest, did. And how shall this happen? Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. You see, this physical body is mortal, destined to die, to return to the dust. But the body that Christ now has and we will have will be immortal eternally alive, right? Praise be to God. So this is a reason to praise God for the resurrection in and of itself, right? Verse 54, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, again, this is the reason we honor the resurrection. Not just today, but each and every day that we live. So, I said earlier that the fact is is that He is risen. And that fact should have some sort of effect on the way we live our lives today. And verse 58 tells us this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So how about you and me today? Are we laboring in the Lord? Are we abounding in the work of the Lord? 
Are we steadfast in the Lord? Are we immovable in the Lord? What effect does the resurrection have on you and me today? Are we living like we will inherit the kingdom of God? That is the eternal kingdom of God someday. We know of his death, right? And we know the reason for it. It was your sin, my sin, the sin of the world. That's why he died. We know too that if Jesus tarries long enough that we too shall die and be buried as he was. Then to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. But there is a judgment to come as well. This is, an, this is appointed to all of mankind once to die and afterwards the judgment. It is not, however, appointed that mankind must die a second death. There is a way to be assured of eternal life with God. This we know from the pages of Scripture as well, right? A person must repent of their sin and come to walk the rest of their lives in faith in Jesus Christ. Remember the thief on the cross? He acknowledged Jesus as Lord. And when did he enter paradise? That very day, didn't he? Absent from his body and present with the Lord, but his body was left behind. This shall be the case for all of those that acknowledge faith in Jesus Christ, right? And are led by the Spirit. We'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord someday. Again, unless the Lord returns today, we're still here in our bodies, we'll be quickly changed. But the, resin, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the reason that we have this hope of eternal life. He is the first fruits. Let's look back again earlier in this chapter. I know I'm kind of going the wrong way in this chapter here. But look back in the same chapter at verse 12. It says, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. That's pretty powerful right there, isn't it? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're wasting about 40 minutes of our lives right now because this whole gathering around this Bible, around the Word of God here, would be totally in vain if not for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There'd be no purpose to this. And he says in verse 15, Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have died. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable, right? Most miserable. And I have to say amen to that. As I'm putting together some patio chairs last night and getting frustrated by it, I'm like, this is a miserable life. Pinching my fingers and doing all that. That's just a small example. But if this is the only life we have, if this is all it's about and we only have hope in Christ here, well, it's just miserable in many ways, right? I'm not saying life isn't good. Life is good, right? We're, we're blessed. We're blessed beyond measure. 
right? But there are just things that we suffer in this body that we have to deal with. Just heard of um, someone else yesterday, a friend of ours that has cancer, you know? And uh, it's, if this is it, but, but it's not it. And because of the resurrection, it's not it. Yes, you know, it's true that the death of Jesus Christ satisfied the wrath of the Father for our sins, but the resurrection of Jesus gives us the hope of eternal life, eternal life. Do you ever try to grasp that? It's hard to grasp, but we'll have eternal life with the Father, and it gives us the ability to be spirit-filled people today. Who does? Jesus does, because he's a life-giving spirit, and he is alive. And where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. And he indwells us and he wants to lead us by his spirit. He is alive. He is risen. You see, the resurrection of Jesus has everything to do with eternal life. But we're blessed in this life as well because of the presence of his Holy Spirit. But if you're looking for hope only in this life, if you're looking for only good things in this life, well, then you're going to find that you're pretty pitiful or pretty miserable, right? But we have Jesus, the first fruits, right? And as it was, was with him, so it will be with those that are in him. The best is yet to come. Your best life isn't now. Our best life is after this life. It's yet to come. In Christ, you are not in your sins any longer, so therefore anyone that is in Christ doesn't continue to willfully walk in their sin, right? Remember, when we are in Christ, we are then to live a life that is what? We saw it. Steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's the person that's in Christ, right? But there is labor in the Lord. Faith is a fight. We must fight the fight of faith, right? To stay the course, it isn't easy. But God wants us to. And he wants us to be immovable, like a rock in the work of the Lord. There is an end result, and the end result is eternal life. And again, this all because of Jesus, the first fruit of the resurrection. So I realize that in a way, this might be an unorthodox Easter Sunday teaching. Right? Again, I'm not, we're not going through the facts of the resurrection. But you and I must realize today and every day that there is a power to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead, if he is not alive in bodily form and seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, then he would have no power today in our lives. He'd be dead. His words might have some influence because he said some great words, right? But he himself would have no power in our lives today. There is a power to the resurrection. As born-again, faith-walking believers, we have a living relationship with the living God. Right? We have a living hope. The God who became flesh and dwelt among us. A Savior whom we can know. A Savior who fills us with the power of his Holy Spirit. A Savior who makes us brand new. And by his spirit transforms us into his likeness. Take a moment and turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3.
Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, verse 8. This is the Apostle Paul's desire here. Remember, this is the Word of God, but it says, Yet, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. Now pause right there. I have to ask periodically, does what Paul says here in this verse really pertain to the way I live? I have to ask myself that, that is, right? Does what Paul says here really pertain to the way I live? In other words, am I all about Christ like Paul speaks of here? Are you all about Christ? Are you willing to give up all that you have, right? All that you are to gain Christ, to gain all that Christ is. And verse 9 says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now listen to this, verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's what I said, there's a power to the resurrection. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Now you see, Paul makes it sound like being conformed to His death happens now in this life, and it does. This is when we are to be conformed to his death. We die to ourselves. We take up the cross. We follow after him, right? If by any means, he says, I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Doesn't it sound like Paul thought we had to stay the course? Like we had to keep going in the faith? Right? Didn't he also say that we had to be steadfast and movable? always abounding in the work of the Lord. This is how we must live in order to attain to the resurrection from the dead. We must fight the fight, continue in the faith. The living God indwells us by His Holy Spirit. Are we led by His Spirit today? Are we yielding to His Spirit today? I need you to look at yet another scripture with me here this morning. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8:11 It says, "But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you." So you see, we can have the resurrection power in our lives today. But here's the key, let's read on verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to live, not to the flesh, excuse me, to live according to the flesh. Okay, now pause quickly right there because this is the opposite of resurrection power. When we live according to the flesh, we are not experiencing the power of the resurrection. 
That's not what we should be doing, right? Verse 13 continues, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So we can know that resurrection life today, or we can be walking around dead to Christ not knowing the power of the resurrection because we're choosing to live in sin. We're choosing not to focus on God. We're choosing not to fix our eyes on Jesus. Verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's the sons and the daughters and the children of God, right? Those that are led by the Spirit of God. We can know that resurrection power. So again, the resurrection Paul, the resurrection power, I mean, that Paul wanted to know, that he, he said he would give everything for, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, but we must put to death the deeds of the body. What we do, how we live, does matter. So we've seen today that there will be a bodily resurrection someday. Our mortal bodies will indeed put on immortality. But we also see today that if we put to death the deeds of the body now, and if we are led by the Spirit, we can know the resurrection power in the here and now. So again, I didn't go over the facts of the resurrection this morning. Instead, I've given you a very brief look at the effects of the resurrection on our lives. Something to think about, right? How then should we be living? You see, it will be a glorious day when we are finally with Him for all eternity, being absent from this body. Again, whether we die or whether we're raptured on the last day, right? But there is an abundant life that we can have in Christ today. And this comes through knowing the power of the resurrection in our everyday lives. Okay, it's not just an Easter Sunday. It's not just one day a year. It's every day of our lives knowing the resurrection power. Right? It was Paul's desire to know this kind of life. And God put it in our Bibles here for us as well. He was willing to forsake all else in order just to know that resurrection power. The question that I leave you with this morning is, is that your desire? Is that my desire? Is that our our desire? Right? Christ, the first fruits, has gone before us. He has shown us the way. We must now remain in Him. And we must walk in Him Daily, right? Led by the Spirit, knowing the resurrection power in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we spent just a brief time, just a quick pass through your word right now, God. We have a whole week before us. We have a whole life in front of us, however many days we have, Lord. And what will we do with them, God? But God, what will we do without you, Jesus? We need Thee every hour, every day, with every breath. We need Your power, Your love in our lives, Lord. But so often, Lord, we forget that the ball is in our court. In other words, it's up to us how we should live, God. And and we can seek You, God. 
You, you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you, Lord. May we here be a people that diligently seek you with every day of our lives. God, may we fix our eyes on you, for you are the author and the finisher of our faith. It begins with you, it ends with you. Someday, Lord, we'll bow before you because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord to the glory of God. So as you tarry, Lord, be our strength. Lord, you've given all you can give. You gave everything you have to, to redeem us, Lord. May we not tread upon your blood, Lord. May we not get caught up in the things of this world and get our eyes focused on emotions and on ourselves and on what's in the mirror, Lord. But may we be focused on you in this life, Lord, for you are alive and well and you are coming again. So we thank you for this day and this time together again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mm.